Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. So glad that you've joined me again for season eight. Man, I can't hardly believe I've been going for that long, but uh, you've been along with me and so glad for that. And always appreciate it when you share the podcast on your social media channels and let others know about it. Uh, You're going to be in for a great conversation today as Jem Fadling is joining me on the podcast. Um, Before we get started, just a reminder that you can support Faith Conversations via Patreon on the homepage, uh, anitalustria.com. You can find the little P down at the bottom. It's not for Pinterest, it's for Patreon, and you can support that way. You can also just give a a gift to uh, via PayPal, and that is using the email address producer at anitalustria.com, which is also the email address you can use to email and ask questions or make comments to the podcast. It does not go to, well, it does go to the producer. That's me. And I'm the host. Oh yeah. And I'm the editor and all the, yeah, it all comes to me. So producer at anitalustria.com. Love to hear from you. Well, today we have Jem Fadling on the podcast and she has written the book, Hold That Thought, Sorting Through the Voices in Our Heads. I know you're sitting there going, me? What? Voices in my head? No, I'm going to turn this off right now. No, you're not, because you're all going, oh my goodness, I need this really badly. As soon as you said, hold that thought and voices in our heads, I was dialed in. So uh, if you don't know Jem, she is amazing. She is a founding partner of Unhurried Living, Inc., which is a nonprofit that trains people to rest deeper, live fuller, and lead better. And I will have uh, all of the website information on the show notes for you to be able to find Unhurried Living and find out more about Jem. She's a certified life coach, a trained spiritual director, uh, and she coaches women at the intersection of spiritual leadership and soul care. I'm sure that's one of the reasons I feel drawn to her, and I'm delighted to have her back on the podcast. So Jem, welcome back to Faith Conversations. Thank you, Anita. It's always a joy to talk with you. Well, I always enjoy hearing the reason behind a new book. Um, it's it's always generally, I'm and I'm guessing this is it for you. Generally, it's it's something personal, something that happens in someone's life, and they're like, "Yep, I need to write about that." And sometimes the writing is the working out of some things in your own life. I'm very curious to hear how hold that thought came into being. Yeah, you are 100% correct. Yes. I, I work things out on the paper <laughs> and yay for us. That's what I'll say. <laughs> so yeah, when, when you buy the book, you'll find out that I tell a lot of personal stories, but that's how I sort of make my way into what I want to share about how to make your way. Here's how I made my way, right? It's not prescriptive, but it is descriptive of one woman's journey. And I, and I like to learn from people who've been there 
it's just feels too. better. Me right. Too. So yep. yeah, this I've, I've been calling it thought work and someone asked me, well, what in the world is thought work? I'm like, I don't know. It's just the term I use to describe this working with my own thoughts. And so I became sort of intrigued by this years ago. And it was, you know, that phrase, the old, um, spirituality wisdom, mm -hmm. classic spirituality, you are not your thoughts. Ah, yes. Right? And then you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I am not my thoughts. Okay. But it's my voice, my words, my tone. It's in me. It's me, right? No, no. I'm not my thoughts. My brain is having thoughts. I, this crafted, loved version of me made by God, I could take a step back and actually look at what's going on. Hmm. And then, you know, we'll get to this later, but there's a practice that I introduce in there. There's a, a way to do that, but I could see what's going on, make a few decisions and then decide Ooh. If I want to keep thinking this, if, and if I want to allow certain behaviors to, to persist, that was like a revelation to me. So, so I love this on many levels, not the least of which is, I think that many of us get tripped up by this and think that we are our thoughts or we have to, uh, continue, uh, you know, that, 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 the, these thoughts, um, press us into action and that we actually can stop and think and go, wait, no, this is my, what did you say? This is my brain. I am not my thoughts. I love that. Number one, but uh, it also pushes me. And I think you talk about this as well, because often we will, um, attach a conversation like this to, um, the renewing of our minds that is spoken about in the new Testament, right? Oh, yeah. Paul, yeah talks about. And, but, but I don't think I've ever read or heard anyone speak on that who has done a very good job. And I think I'm sort of left going, hmm, what does that really fully mean? Yeah. Um, yes, I want a renewed mind. And yes, I'm a new creature in Christ. I get all of that. But um, you're taking this, I think, to the next level and taking it to a deeper level and saying it in a way that I believe we can understand well. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you are picking that up because that's my that's my goal. I am a practitioner. I'm a spiritual director, I'm a life coach. I believe in possibilities. In my own way, I'm a I'm a kind of cheerleader, right? Alongside someone and saying, "Yes." Nice. With God, you know, with God all things are possible. Again, a, a beautiful scripture. So, when I'm trying to talk about these very deep things, I'm trying to figure out how does this work in real life? So there's two things that are actually in the epigraph of my book. And one of them is Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. But again, what does that mean practically? Well, I just start with this idea from that verse, which is, it says, be transformed, which means it's in the passive tense, right? I am being, being. transformed. Yeah. So then I have another question. I love questions because I think questions lead you places. Yes, they right? do. So, okay. So what does that mean? Well, if I'm being transformed, then my next question is, how do I cooperate with this transforming yeah. process? And now a whole world opens up to you. There's a multitude of ways to cooperate with what God is doing, depending on who you are, what's going on in your life. 
So with that being said, I want to go back to the very beginning of your book, not to dive you into a horrible story about yourself, <laughs> but I will say this when someone and a piece of what I love about this book is you are authentic about your own journey. You're vulnerable. Um, and there's something about that that draws me in. I think it draws anyone in to say, oh, the you know, these are not just words. This is practiced experience. This is, ex this is practice coming out of experience. And so when you told that opening story in, or one of the opening stories might be the first one about um, anxiety rising up and even an anxiety attack, I thought, I'm going to listen to this woman. Number one, she's telling me about this thing that happened that maybe maybe I could relate to, maybe not, but likely <laughs> I could relate to, you know? Yeah. Um, and so therefore I'm going to listen. I would love for you to go back to that and what really moved you even further into this topic. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing. I have struggled with anxiety my whole life and there's multitude of reasons for that, which we won't go into because that's too long, but suffice <laughs> to say, it's one of the things that as I became a young adult, I actually thought it was my thorn in the flesh because I felt that I would never, ever overcome it. And it was just my, one of my crosses to bear. And, and let me just interject. I think anxiety, I'm sure I have no doubt you'll agree with this is at an all time high oh. having come through. I even hate or uh, hesitate to say coming, come through the pandemic, but we, we are in a different space of course today than we were. Um, and people trying to re-engage there's anxiety about being with people again. We, there's anxiety about not being with people. Now there's anxiety about being with people, what's happening in the world. I mean, anxiety, I think you would agree is at an all time high. And so even hearing you talk about this, I think we pull up our chairs even closer to the table to listen to you. Yeah, it, I agree. It is. I mean, if you look at any statistic or if you just look at yourself or your friends, I'm hearing all the time about the increase in anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's where we're in it right now, emotionally, psychologically, yes. relationally. So I, I do not make light of anxiety because I've struggled with it at various levels throughout my entire life, um, midlife. And so a good dose of therapy brought a lot of healing to me to where the way it used to grip me doesn't grip me quite the same way. However, you are alluding to the story that I opened with. And that story is from the last handful of years. This is not distant history. Um, my husband, Alan, and I started our organization, Unhurried Living, about seven years ago. And I was in my early 50s. And um, there's this beautiful, um, you know, kids are raised, new energy comes, and now I'm bounding with energy and wisdom. What am I going to do with it? Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we formed this organization and now we're pouring into Christian leaders the way we've done, but in our own, our own organization. Mm -hmm. So I tell you that because cyclically for about the first four years, I, my ambition was enlightened, my, or, and was heightened. My perfectionism was heightened because we were building something, right? And so cyclically I would hit a wall of anxiety. And it occurred four times in a row about yearly. The first three I was able to manage with 
a conversation with my spiritual director or my prayer practices. I could catch what was happening, calm down and redirect. But the fourth time Mm -hmm. it happened. And yes, I'm embarrassed to say this. If I run an organization called Unhurried Living, and then I'm saying to you, I had yearly bouts of overwhelming anxiety. How are you going to like buy anything I'm saying, but all that to say, I'm a real person. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's why we're buying it and buying the book because you are real. You know, this is the vulnerability and authenticity that we value. So thank you. Yes. Well, yeah. So things inside of me got heightened and triggered. And so my anxiety rose again in the fourth time I was unable to manage it. It was an anxiety attack. My heart was racing for weeks. I couldn't take a deep breath. Finally decided to call my former therapist and say, I got a problem here. I can't, I can't stop this. What's happening? And he said, well, in one to three sessions, we can manage this. I was like, what? So, but it's, it's just because he had to teach me how to manage my adrenaline, you know, that, that nervous system would get heightened, the adrenaline would turn on and I wasn't knowing how to just turn off the faucet. Yeah. Yes. Right. He taught me that. So thank you, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, that's what happened. Um, about three or four months after that, um, fortunately my husband and I had planned for years, uh, a 34th wedding anniversary trip to Italy. Ah. So now I'm going to Italy and yes, it's a romantic getaway, but even bigger, bold print was for me, it was a pilgrimage. Yes. Cause I was just coming off of this very heightened state and I was, my heart was desperate. Mm. I was like, Lord, I am not functioning properly right now. I need you to show me a new way to live and to work especially. Right. So I did, I went on this trip waiting to, you know, see the beautiful country, but also hoping to hear from God. And as I shared in the book, he was very gracious to give me some very pointed direction. So did you want me to share sort of the outcomes of those conversations? I think so, because I think that's really helpful. Yeah. So I went in with my, with my desperate plea and on at least three or four different occasions, I felt like the spirit was trying to realign me. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about the thoughts in our own brain, you know, this God-given brain, also the spirit works within. Yes. If you want to say brain or mind, I don't know that you can use them interchangeably, but some people like to talk about the brain as the organ in your head. And that mind is that part of you that can step back maybe and look, whatever you want to call all this, there's a way in which the spirit interjected. And so my first invitation when I got there was just a gratitude, mm. a reminder to be thankful. And so, cause I go places and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be so excited and it's going to be Italy and it's going to like sparkle like diamonds when I get there. And I was looking out over the rooftops of Florence at the top of the Duomo I had climbed up there and I was trying to be excited, but I was exhausted. Mm. I had nothing. And I just sensed the spirit saying, why don't you just give thanks? Mm. And so I did. I softened my face. I looked out over the view and I just said, thank you for this beauty. Mm. And something inside of me just quieted. That was the very first, that was the first full day on the trip. And already the spirit was answering my prayer. So one of the things I... I want to 
say to that is, um, number one, beautiful story, grateful that you shared it in the book and shared pieces of it here. I think it's interesting. Um, listeners, regular listeners to the podcast know that I'm an Enneagram trainer and that I value the Enneagram highly. And what I think is interesting is how God meets us, each of us individually where we are and because of who we are and how we are wired. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so you're opening a doorway to that thought as well, that things may not look identical because we're all different people to your experience, but how has God wired you, you know, who, who are you and, and how might God meet you? And I think of some of my own, um, uh, crises, sometimes crises are often that inciting event that does bring, um, often not always new learnings along if we are open and willing to be open to it. And I think for me as an Enneagram three people on the podcast have heard me talk about having a, a fall a year plus ago and, and it stopped me in my tracks. And for me, what happened is creativity came along and this stopping and no longer, you know, with, with creative endeavors, there's what's, you're not searching for perfection <laughs> or, or you're, you may not, um, you know, everything is not going to get an A plus by the teacher. It's not about that. It's not about um, getting a grade on something. It's about enjoying what you're doing. So I finally was pulled into this space of play and enjoyment. And so I think it's interesting to just look at two different people, two different profiles, and to think about everyone listening who is maybe saying, oh, oh, that's what happened in my life or, oh, that's what I see God doing in my life. Um, just the different views of what might happen depending on who you are and how you're wired. So, so I love your opening story for so many reasons, not the least of which is it invites all of us into our own story. Oh yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a wonder to me that God was so gracious to answer so specifically. And so quickly, I know that in my life, it hasn't always worked that way where I have this big need and I'm praying and, and sometimes things go unanswered for a long time, or maybe I never sure. perceived the answer, mm -hmm. but in this case, God really met me. And so after I heard, you know, give thanks, the next one was the, this was the life-changing one. And that really propelled me, you know, into the book. I went down the stairs after being at the top and now I'm sitting in a chapel and I'm, I'm just, again, I'm just open. I think that's why I was so receptive. I, I was just desperate. I need another way. So now I'm just sitting on a pew in a little chapel inside the big cathedral. And there's a wall size painting of the last supper. I mean, wall size just covered the whole front of my view. And in front of that is a table. And then the chalice it's called the ciborium, I think where they hold uh, the bread. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there and I'm just hearing the the sentence I hear every week at church during communion, which is, this is my body given for you. And I just enjoyed the peacefulness of that moment. But on the tail end of that beautiful invitation, this is my body given for you. I heard this sort of corrective, very gently, stop pushing, stop trying, stop angsting. Mm. 
<laughs> okay. Like, oh, that's exactly what I'm doing. But it was so loving. You know, it was just so loving. This is my body given for you. I mean, it was just, I love you. I mean, you may as well have just said, I love right. you. I've given right. my all for you. Right. Why are you pushing, trying and angsting? You don't have to. But don't we? I just thought I did. <laughs> don't we? I mean, uh, you know, here you are starting up a, a new ministry, Unhurried Living. Yeah. There's effort and energy that goes along with all of this. And I think that's maybe the big question people have. How do we uh, relax into a space um, inhabited by don't say those three words again. Pushing, oh, trying, pushing, trying, and angsting. angsting. How do we settle into a space like that? How did you? Yeah. Well, I mean, it it continues. I'll tell you how, because the next cathedral we went to a few days later, now I'm in that was Florence. So now I'm in Assisi. And another thought came in. Here's the key. Here's the real propellant. Because that was the this is what you're doing. Why don't you stop? But then the next invitation was this. I'm walking through the St. Francis Cathedral in Assisi, just like everyone else, quiet, looking at the beauty. And I just hear this and it's a, it actually comes from a verse. Um, but the phrase was this, you already have what you need. <sighs> you may have lost it. You might've, you know, lost track of this idea. But you have, and that comes, you know, from second Peter, you have been given everything you need for life and godliness, mm. right? Through Christ our Lord, you already have what you need. So that was my, now I'm on a search because this, just because I'm hearing these wonderful phrases in Italy, right? <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm solved. It means now I have something to chew on mm -hmm. with God as I move forward. So if I already have what I need, that means... Um, I am capable of moving forward in a new way. Evidently, there's something in me that is capable of this. So I trusted that. That was my first move. Uh, I think one of the things that it brings up for me is maybe twofold. One is how much I love the spiritual practice of Lexio Divina. Yeah. But secondly, I guess on top of that is how... Um, I think engaging in that practice with some regularity, uh, I, I saw this in what you just said, but it made makes me realize and see that you can live life in a Lexio fashion, seeing those invitations everywhere, right? Yes, that um, has, yeah. I agree. I and that's what you, exactly what you just did, you know, what you just, well, and yeah. And see, I like to pause and talk about this again, because yeah. I am a spiritual director and a coach, because I tell this story in a conversation with you that lasts about 40 minutes and I'm telling a very, you know, truncated version, mm -hmm. but, but the, one of the reasons I was able to live that Lexio Divina way in Italy is because I've been practicing listening that way for half my life. Yes. This doesn't happen just, oh, oh, I'm just going to, sure, God can do anything, and the, but there's a big and here, and I've been cultivating yes. a listening heart since I was 26. Yes. And you learn over time to discern the voice of the spirit, 
it's not actually that hard because it sounds very much like the fruit of the spirit. You know, even, even though there was this, you could say, well, that's a harsh thing to say, stop pushing, stop trying, stop angsting, but it didn't come through with that tone. Right. It came through with a loving tone and it led to peace. Now, see, we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. This is how you discern what you're hearing. What's the fruit of the, of this proclamation in your head, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm listening to all these other, you'll never succeed. What are you thinking? You never keep up. I mean, hear the tone of that. Yeah. And then what's the fruit of that? Anxiety. No. <laughs> yeah, right. Completely. And then non-action and nothing, not the good flow that I would right. love. So you can, you can learn to just listen to the words, listen for the tone and decide if it's something to continue to entertain. Yeah. Uh, so I'll put, love that. So as I'm reading your book, I, 1000% got stuck, well, not stuck in a good way. <laughs> uh, early on in the book, because you have a chapter, you move from there into a chapter called Finding Your Voice. And you, and I, I don't think there's any, um, I mean, I think you actually state this somewhere that you are, you're writing maybe more to women in this book. Is that true? Um, I don't know if I said that in the general, book. I know, I, I know. Yeah. it's a general book. Um, I've been talking to men on interviews as well, I and they have it. been equally as helped. It's, it's, it's a book for anyone. Good. I know that um, some of the marketing might go extra to women because just because you have to market to people. <laughs> women certain... are the book buyers. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I will say this, a man can read this book and they won't feel like I'm talking to a woman. Good. Right. And I felt, I certainly felt yeah. that way. I don't know yeah. where I, maybe it was, um, Maybe it was some of the marketing stuff might've said that it could be. And, and also the chapter finding your voice. I often think about that as something geared more toward women, but man, that is, we all need to find our voice. Uh, But I think maybe women, especially if maybe they have, uh, as I have grown up in a, in a conservative evangelical circles, um, it has not been stressed to me as much, you know, later years is when I really realized, wait a minute, I'm not thinking for myself. I'm not paying attention in the same way. I'm not, I don't know. I can't answer that question, but I'm not going to tell you why it's because I have no idea. Cause I don't know my own voice, <laughs> you know, uh, and figured that out at some point, um, in my forties probably, but I loved your chapter on finding your voice. And I would love for you to talk about why, why it's so important and why it's also a struggle. Yeah. Well, one of my new favorite words I've been using lately is the word agency. I I love the word agency. It makes me feel so good. And I think it's because again, from my own journey, I spent pretty much the entire first half of my life without it, without a felt sense of it. We had, we do have it. We could always speak up but I didn't know I had the freedom and I didn't take advantage of any of the freedoms. So I think my new favorite word is selfhood. (laughs) That's that I am not empty at the center. I contain a selfhood. I know. So I agency is, uh, uh, I like that as well. I can easily adopt that one too. And I, I hear you and know what you're saying. I want to hear more. Yeah. I, the, the great freedom for me actually did happen. I mentioned earlier about, um, midlife and therapy, that journey is what really wrung out all the first, and this is what happens. I mean, isn't this the hero or the heroine's journey? 
right? You build this yep. structure in the first half, then it's wrung out in the midlife trial and challenge, which no one can escape, although we try. <laughs> and some of us actually succeed. And then we end up in the second half of life and it's not good for anyone. So <laughs> I'm grateful I for recommend- Richard Rohr and others like him yeah. who've talked so much about. Oh my goodness. Uh, falling upward. Yeah. Falling, exactly. Falling upward. Second oh. half of life. Yeah. hundred percent. I completely agree. I encourage everyone to read falling upward because um, it's good to be mindful of this process. Yes. Yes. We're building a structure and yes, whatever it is, um, that gets built, but then at some point it has to crumble and become something new, which you have the opportunity for. And then now you're in the second half of life, which I am thoroughly enjoying because I feel like I did. It's that, you know, that, um, throw off everything that encumbers Yes. and run. I feel like that's for the second half of people, second half of second life. Half of life. I am with you. I, I, yeah. and I wish that more people viewed scripture in that, maybe through that lens. I think that would be an interesting way to look at yeah. scripture with that lens in mind. First yeah, half, second throw half. It off. Yeah. yeah throw it off and run mm-hmm. totally. So yeah. Um, remind me where I was headed. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yes. Uh, early enjoying, you know, build and then it gets broken down and then you build and a new, yes. I think I was trying to answer a question you asked and I apologize, but I forgot what the question (laughs) was. So that's okay. Um, we're moving into talking about finding your voice. Why, why it's so important. Yeah. Yes. There you go. So that process was me finding my voice. And it is important because it is the heroine's journey. Agency. You are using that word. Yes. Agency. Agency. Coming to terms with the fact that you have choices. Yes. And you can make discerned decisions. Yes. It it can occur. And so the freedom for me happened in that midlife. So when I get to this point, but I do, I talk about what it looked like in the first half of life. I could not say the word I, I didn't even have an I, like you said, a self. I didn't have a fully formed gem self. Yes. And so that came up. I always said we, cause I got married at 21. We started dating when I was 19. I just, uh-huh. it was we, my, his, all my history was an us building a life. Right. Yep. But within that, there is, there are still two individuals. It took me a long time to be able to figure out how to be just an I and tell my I stories. I'm, I'm so, you know, we all go to weddings, beautiful occasion. And I have just a real thing about the unity candle, uh, uh, the, the two candles, and then you see them snuff them out and light the unity candle. No, I I love it when, when you go and both candles stay lit and you lit the center candle, light the center candle, because those two individuals are still there and there's agency in both. Right. But That is not snuffed out, but, but culturally, and I would even say Christian culturally, we have done a little snuffing out of that, especially in women, maybe. Oh, oh yes. And, and the the three words for that are dependence, independence, interdependence. There we are. Thank you. Right. Yes. Yes. I, I agree with you on that. So I didn't have a sense of, I, I couldn't even say I deserve that one was a rough one. I couldn't say I deserved anything, not even when I was asked, do you deserve to be loved? Mm. And when I heard myself, when I felt myself struggle, and when I heard myself say no, I was just dejected. I was like, that can't be right. Can it? Mm. 
But see, it's a little twisty. Sometimes when you come up through the church, you can get a skewed definition of grace and mercy. Mm. And you know how sometimes truth gets twisted just enough. I'm not saying the church did it. Maybe, you know, the enemy, there's enough twistiness to where you think you don't deserve anything, but that's, I don't think that's enough (laughs) self-esteem. Yes. Yes. Well, because it's the, uh, several things, the old childhood chorus, Jesus and others in you. What a wonderful way to spell joy, right? J is for Jesus. He has first place. O is for others. We meet face to face. Y is for you in whatever you do. Put yourself third or put yourself last, depending on the chorus. Well, not exactly. I got to put my own oxygen mask on first in order to help those around me. So I am not necessarily last, but it's not a selfish thing. (laughs) It's a exactly. Well, we go straight, go straight to the great commandment. Right. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's there. It's equal as you love. Yes. We already love. So we got to figure out what it means to love ourselves. And in that way, we will in fact be serving our neighbor loving. Yes. So these were all my struggles. I couldn't say I, I couldn't say I deserve. And then I just, I had like this way of apologizing for just taking up the space, you know, implicitly or explicitly, just that sense of, I need to get out of the way so someone else can do whatever. Cause I'm just not important. Yeah. Just, there were probably other ways, but these were three that really stood out to me of me before my voice. Mm-hmm. And what was the yeah. catalyst? What was the cat? What? And also I want to say uh, uh, as well, you know, even as you listen to Jem's story, what, what is it for you? What is it that you're doing that, you know, uh, are saying that all of a sudden that light bulb went on in your head as you heard her, uh, the things that she was saying, um, you know, she couldn't say I deserve or just wanted to get out of the way, or, you know, I'm sorry for taking up space. What is it for you? It might be those exact things. It might be something else or several other things. Think about that. I think it's just helpful for us to kind of come to grips with that in our own lives. So what was the catalyst for you that shifted that and helped you move into your own voice, finding your own voice? Yeah, well, the the major, major turning point was a process that I've already alluded to, and it was midlife. My midlife journey was like this funnel mm. of squeezing. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe yeah. it. Tube of toothpaste? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, wow. all of this, of course, is under the watch. We taught, we, we began with um, Be Transformed, right? By the renewing of your mind. That was the process mm. I was in day by day, week by week, month by month, very imperfectly. I did my best to cooperate as best as I understood. Mm -hmm. And over the course of time, all of these different shifts took place for a bunch of different reasons. I can't say, well, oh, you know, just go to therapy. Yes. Therapy helped a lot, but there was, there were a lot of other events that each one of them just formed. It's like a sculptor, right? Taking away the, the, you start with a cube and then you end up with, you know, the Venus de Milo. So it's like taking away the parts that aren't that. Yeah. That's a process. Well, and and I go back to what you said earlier, you, you have cultivated this way of living. And so your eyes and ears are open and listening and watching for, you know, and, and I so appreciate you saying, did I do it perfectly? No, did you know, but that posture, that posture of desiring, isn't it Merton who says, 
talks about, you know, just my, your, your, you, your want to, that you want to please God. God is pleased with the fact that you want to please God is um, yes. a longer quote, but, but sometimes yeah, no, that's what we can bring or all we can bring. Completely. And in uh, our other book that we talked with you about last time, what does your soul love? There's a process in there. I actually called it the pro um, the posture of transformation, ah, Okay, love which that. is open, aware, and willing. Nice. I like my little, my little acronyms, O-A-W, open, aware, and willing. willing. That has been the posture that I maintain imperfectly, um, but I still maintain it. Yes. I am open to change. As, as much as I can be, I try to be aware of what's actually happening and what God might be inviting me to in it, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. And then I'm willing to do what I need to do. So interesting. You would say that, um, I was in a Lexio group this morning and it was, uh, from Mark chapter one, 40 to 45 about the leper asking Jesus, for healing, if you are willing. And Jesus said, I am willing. I didn't even hear that. Jesus said that it was Jesus saying, I'm willing. I've my brain. I heard the leper saying I'm willing. And my word or phrase was, and I said to the group, I want to shout, I am willing, <laughs> but I, I didn't even, you know, I heard what I re what God really wanted and needed me to hear this morning. Um, yeah. And so I love your, I love the acronym because it brought me back to that um, passage again. And that reminder, yeah, our, our willingness, that's a big piece, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. Again, um, I love the word process. Mm -hmm. um, it goes hand in hand with the word transformation. We are so hardwired here in the culture where I live on this side of the United States. <laughs> Productivity, you know, right now, if I, if I know about it, then why can't I just change it? I, I, I want to change my thought right now, or I want to change my behavior right now and just be different. Well, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> so does your spouse want you to do that or whatever. Can we just change right now? I would love it if it was like that, but I've lived yeah. now a long time. And so far it, it is, it, I've noticed that Things are a process. It took me a long time to start this habit that's not helping me. It might take a little time for me to unwind that and start something that's more helpful. Um, well, yeah. this is why I love the name of your organization, you know, Unhurried Living. I it all, always is in my mind, Jesus was never in a hurry, you know, as I read the gospels. I mean, that's my assessment. And I, and so it heartens many, many things, but that's all we are is, is in a hurry. And, and the more, and it certainly, I have to say, you mentioned where you live culturally, culturally in Southern California, geographically specifically, but yeah. uh, Southern California, I moved out of Chicago and live in coastal uh, Sarasota, coastal Florida, and life does go at a slower pace here. I am really grateful to no longer be in a huge metropolitan area. Now I don't, I don't have to be right now. And I'm great. I'm really grateful for that, that there is something about geography that has helped me, yeah. you know, but, but 
would I, do I need the geography to change for me to lean into what you're talking about, Jem? No, our geography doesn't have to change. That's right. It is possible. It is difficult most of the time, Mm -hmm. but it's not impossible. Alan and I have actually joked if we can attempt to live an unhurried life in the middle of Orange County, it's one of the wealthiest counties in the areas in the world. I mean, we live in one of the wealthiest states in the world, Mm -hmm. one of the wealthiest areas. Okay. Not that we're (laughs) all that to say. You were there early, long ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that if you can attempt to live an unhurried life here, it's like a runner who goes and trains at elevation. Yeah. You know, they run at 5,000 feet, 6,000 feet. And then when you go back down to the, wherever the race is down at, you know, yep lower, your lungs have expanded and yes, you know, your, the blood is flowing through your body. I feel like, um, that's the same kind of training spiritually. Yes. It's a really swimming upstream experience. Yes. Oh, Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm watching the time and I'm like, well, what we've talked for about three minutes now. Oops. (laughs) No, that would be 40. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But we've only gotten about three minutes into the book. So Oh my goodness. Well, one thing we would probably be good to mention if we, if we're going to wrap it up is um, just NDR. I I want people to at least be teased on that because that's the big part of the book because we've been talking about the problem the whole time. (laughs) Yes. Well, moving. Yeah. Oh my, and sharing my story, which is important. It's, it's good to hear stories because then you're like, yes, that that's my struggle too. And that's my hope. I want anyone who reads this to feel like I'm standing next to you and we're looking together yes. forward, yes. right? I'm not going, oh, I've got it all figured out. Let me tell you how this works. No, no, this is what I've learned. And I hope this helps you. So the, yes. the big, the big invitation inside this book is called notice, discern and respond. Mm. And I call it NDR because I love my little things. So pushing, trying and angsting is PTA <laughs> and notice, discern and respond is NDR, but it'll help you remember it. And it's exactly what it sounds like. So when you have a thought that's unhelpful, the first thing you can do is notice it. Mm -hmm. And that's a big step for a lot of us because we are on autopilot and we don't know that we are not our thoughts. Yes. Agree. So remember that you are not your thoughts and now start watching. Yeah. Notice. Nice. Okay. Once you've noticed an unhelpful thought and you know what that is, it's the one that's Mm -hmm. condemning you and shaming you and keeping you pressed back, discern it, discern. And discernment is about honesty and curiosity. How honest can you be with yourself about what's going on and how curious can you get about, about this process? Yes. Ask yourself questions. Is it true? Is it helping me? How is it holding me back? Any of those questions do it all in prayer. Every question to me, because we're with God all the time in him, we live and move and have our being. Yes. If you're asking a question like that, it's a prayer. Mm. Love that. Discernment, honesty, curiosity. And then pretty much after you spent some time in discernment, usually a response will bubble up on its own. You'll know what to do. In my case, you know, I was stop pushing, stop trying and stop angsting. And you already have what you need. These are my new, like, okay, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to respond. These sound like really good thoughts. So I want to turn from this pushing, trying and angsting. Right. So what does that mean? Well, 
Sometimes it means engaging with a vengeance and new behavior, but sometimes it means breathe, Jem. Mm -hmm. Open yeah. your hands, Jem. <laughs> yeah. Let go a little bit. So a respond is not always an overt action. Sometimes it's a, a reflection, right? So I want to make yes. sure we're not always just looking for our next to do. Yes. Sometimes I mean, we're looking for reactive and not reflective anyway. Yes. So that reflective response is always yeah. the better one. We, yeah. 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 Um, also, I just want to say for me, um, books have absolutely, people have been too, but books have often been companions for me on my journey. So I commend, hold that thought to people as uh, a, a very possible companion on your spiritual journey. You've just heard a little thumbnail, little pinky fingernail sketch of um, what is in the book, but you've, you know, I'm, I'm just delighted that you joined me for the, the conversation and for um, Jem being here on the broadcast. And I hope you do um, grab a copy of hold that thought. I, I, one of the other things I didn't say, and I wanted to give you a high five, you have written some wonderful reflection questions at the ends of chapters. That's the other thing. There are a lot of books with real junky questions. Yours is not one of them. <laughs> I mean, I think people, I, I, I like questions at the end of chapters for reflection, but I don't like them if they're not good ones. Yours are really good and very thoughtful. And it takes some time to sit with them and, and it helps process the, the material from the chapter just read. So I love that. And I, I wanted to mention that to people as well and to say thank you to you for the good work on those. Good thank stuff. you so much. Yeah. That's an important point. Reflection is actually what makes your life. Mm. You can't just live your life. You have to reflect on it. And so thank you. That means a lot to me, Anita. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Well, a lot said, there's so much more and you can find out more in the book. I'll have all of the information in the show notes. So if you're out, you know, running errands in the car or jogging or whatever, and don't have a pen handy, don't worry about it. You can just go to the show notes. Uh, again, Jam, thank you so much. Great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. And to everyone else, I always say, keep the conversation going.